This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Alan Condon with the Becker's AFC podcast, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Andrew Lovewell, who's the CEO of Columbia Orthopedic Group. Andrew, a real pleasure to have you on discussion on the podcast with us today. I'd love to turn the floor over to you to hear a little bit more about your role, your background, and of course, hear a little bit more about Columbia Orthopedic Group as well. Yeah, thanks for having me, Alan. I'm, I'm really excited to uh, be on the podcast. Um, a little bit about me. I am, uh, as you said, the current uh, chief executive officer for Columbia Orthopedic Group. We are a almost uh, 30 physician uh, ortho and MSK group in uh, Columbia, Missouri. Uh, We own and operate a large uh, orthopedic and MSK surgery center, uh, coupled with our physician practice, imaging center, retail pharmacy, and our DME braces and orthotics. Uh, that are part of our practice as well. Um, our group's been around since uh, 1965, and um, all of our docs are subspecialized, fellowship trained, um, so we can really get in and provide some expert care in our market. Um, I've been in this role uh, almost a year and a half, uh, going on two. Um, prior to that, I ran our surgery center for four years and then worked in academic medicine and various roles as a surgery department administrator, and then um, as a finance and operations person, privacy and compliance, and also have a background in pharmacy. Um, So I've worn a few hats throughout my career, but uh, really like to get involved and and break things down, figure out how we can make things more efficient and deliver the, the best care possible to our patients. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Quite a quite a career so far, and excited to see uh, you know what comes next. You obviously in this role as CEO, like you said, coming up on two years now. But um, I guess Columbia Orthopedic Group, as you said, thirty physicians, thirty surgeons group, obviously covers the broad spectrum of orthopedics. Um, can you give me an insight into the, the biggest revenue drivers for, for the group, and how many cases do you perform a year? Yeah, I think our you know what our biggest revenue driver is is uh, the continued patient that walks back in our door. Um, you know we don't do surgery on obviously every patient who comes in. We we provide non-operative care first, and we have several options for that, and that's really what we look to. Um, you know if we can, unless it's severe enough where we you know we have to operate. But our goal isn't to you know cut you open and and operate right away when we see somebody. Uh, our surgery center, we do roughly uh, 6,500 cases in our surgery center a year. And then you couple that with our hospital partner, um, that's excellent, where we do about another 3,000 cases over there. So in total, we're about a 9,500 case group. Um, we're looking to add to that, though, with other lines of business that come in, um, both for our surgery center and our practice, where we're bringing on podiatry and um even uh, plastic surgery into our surgery center. So we are, um, you know, looking to grow and get bigger, um, but we're doing that through a quality mechanism, not a quantity mechanism. So for us, it's not really the 
about doing 10, 20,000 cases. It comes down to doing the right cases on the right patient at the right time. I think that's why we grow year over year um, because our reputation and our quality are what we really drive for. Okay, so really uh, approaching that 10,000 cases a year, as you said, but really concentrating on not just growing for the sake of growth, it sounds like, but growing and also making sure that the quality outcomes and everything and everything else comes first and foremost. Um, Andrew, thank you so much for the breakdown there. Just a little bit more about your role, and obviously Columbia Orthopedic Group as well. I'd love to dive in a little deeper here. I know when we're talking about healthcare, specifically in relation to the ASC space, um, so much going on. It's an exciting time, but it's also a really challenging time in the space. Can you give me an insight into, I guess, two or three trends that you're really paying close attention to at the moment? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is, um, you know, if you're in the ASD world and, and you're doing cases, you can't turn your attention away from the anesthesia crisis that we're facing. So we have did a pivot here internally where we've actually taken the stance of employing our own anesthesia group that used to provide private services for us. So um, we're bringing them on as employees so we can have fully aligned incentives with um, growth and um, expansion. We also figured out ways to increase their benefit package and their comp model to where we can be competitive in the market and get the top talent for our surgery center because that's very imperative for us to be able to turn cases over quickly and find people who want to work in that atmosphere. So the anesthesia crisis, I think, across our country is one thing that Everybody in our ASP space, hospitals, you know, are, are well attuned to this too, but everybody in the ASC space is facing as well. And, you know, we have to keep that as top of mind. Um, second to that, one of the biggest trends we're following now is Medicare has announced finally they're going to add outpatient shoulders to the ASC approved list. And, you know, that, that really is the first time in a long time I feel like I've not had to complain about it on a, on a podcast. Um, so that's exciting. You know, I don't know what the, uh, reimbursement rate is going to be officially yet. Cause quite honestly, I haven't investigated that as deep, um, as I need to, but there, um, therein lies a huge opportunity for us. You know, we do a lot of, um, total shoulder orthoplasty and partial shoulder hemiarthroplasty surgeries. So there's a big market there that we can potentially move over if the patients are healthy enough or optimized enough to have surgery in ASD. And really the third trend I think that is existing in our space that continues to really kind of plague our arena is always going to be the payer contracts that are associated with what we get paid. So not only do we have to pay attention to the ASC versus HOPD rates and the differentiation between those, we've got to look at what the bukas of the world are paying us and assure that we've got a market rate that's reasonable and appropriate, especially given the cost of care that continues to increase post-COVID. So that, I think, is you know a huge issue that everyone faces every day. It's, um, it's an arms race and a numbers race. You know, what it comes down to is how big is your group? How big is your surgery center? What's your affiliation? What's the structure? What's the makeup? What's your case mix? So many things that play into that. Um, you know, an ophthalmology place or a, a laser eye surgery is significantly different than what our practice is, where we do a lot of big orthomusculoskeletal joint cases that have tons of hardware and implants. So there's obviously different strokes for different folks, but 
just keeping your eye on the ball of the reimbursement and your case costs to assure you're sustainable and viable in the long term is, you know, the, the biggest part about running the day-to-day -day business that we have to keep our eye on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for kind of breaking it down in terms of the, the trends that you're paying most attention, most attention to that you're excited about. I think just a quick follow-up on the, your first point, particularly around anesthesia providers. Um, obviously, you said about the, the challenge and the challenge in that area, but can you give me some more insight into bringing those providers on from an employment standpoint, kind of the challenges that, that came with that and how you're, how, you're, how you're navigating that at the moment? Yeah, I think the challenges are, um, you know, I, I sat at a round table at Becker's uh, a couple months ago at the ASC meeting, and really it, it's shocking to me the statistics that exist in the, um, in the anesthesia space. So, you know, uh, I think it was Napa who hosted the uh, roundtable and they talked about where over 56% of the anesthesia docs in our country are over the age of 55. Well, that's a huge concern, right? So if we got over half of our population that's you know, approaching baby boomer and the baby boomer age bracket, they're going to be retiring at some point. And unfortunately, there's not been more residency spots created for anesthesia MDs or DOs to, to get into. So you know, there's a huge supply shortage of, the, of those individuals. And I think COVID really escalated their exit from the market and people exited quickly because, you know, it was dangerous during the COVID times for anesthesia, especially at the head of the bed right there at the airway during the COVID um, pandemic. So what, you know, we tried to do was to stabilize things in our market by saying, you know, let us, let us employ the, the anesthesia providers and let us bring them on to our insurance plan that has potentially better benefits because if they're a smaller group, they, they can't get the same rates with health insurance or dental or vision or anything like that. Let us employ them. Let us figure out what the comp model needs to look like, the vacation, the, the CME, the everything that's necessary. And, you know, we've created a, a model here where we feel like, you know, we deliver the best of um, market benefits for them from a health, dental, vision, you know, accidental death, dismemberment, whatever, uh, benefit structure, 401k, all that. But we also were able to increase the comp to, to a level that puts us right there at the top of the tier of the market to where we can get the best talent in our, our surgery center. Because quite honestly, we were facing some issues where we were going to have to maybe potentially shut down rooms or we had to shut down rooms intermittently. And that, that that's a hurt on the bottom line because if you can't do surgery right, you can't figure out how to, you know, pay all the costs associated with running a big ASC like ours. So we said, you know, let's, let's just own this. We'll take it on. We'll figure it out. And luckily, the group we have, you know, they're led by a, a doc who's incredible. He's a hard worker, hard charger. And he said, you know, this, this is what we have to do. We've got to get to a place where we are completely aligned and we're both incentivized with the same thing. And, you know, he um, agreed, you know, with the model we proposed and, Said, okay, let's do it. So we um, start that transition January 1st. It, it's, a, it's a whole different thing when you're running a big ortho group uh, mm -hmm. with a surgery center to say, okay, let me bring on anesthesia now. Um, that's a big mindset shift that, you know, I think um, it's just different. And it's a whole different business line that you've got to figure out how to run that you, you haven't had to before. Um, and quite honestly, it's, it's hard. It's hard to find talent in that arena that especially want to work at the level that's demanded in an ASC because, you know, our expectation for 
turnover times or case turnaround or all those things is it's quite different than the hospitals. Um, what we target for and, you know, just getting cases in and out the door, our, um, our turnaround time or turnover time in the OR less than 10 minutes most of the time on cases where if you look at a hospital, you know, they're going to benchmark to target 30 where, you know, if I can turn over cases in 10 minutes versus 30, that's 20 minutes of turnover time I save. I can pick up another knee or another shoulder in that time when you're doing four or five cases. So I think that's where you got to find people that are very, very on board with uh, mentality and model of the surgery center world to, to really embrace it and, and move forward with it. And I think that's what we're discovering and finding in the anesthesia space is, you know, if we incentivize production and productivity and throughput, make sure that our staff are well taken care of and, and compensated and well-respected and, um, you know, we're creating a winning environment that way. Yeah, it's really fascinating, Andrew, to hear, to hear your perspective there in terms of obviously the big, big opportunity that comes in implementing anesthesia group, but also the many challenges that you just outlined as well. But obviously there is a big opportunity for the anesthesia providers as well. I'd be very curious to just pay attention, I guess, uh, across uh, if many other orthopedic groups nationally are going to take a leaf out of that play but, um, in the coming months and years. Um, one other thing that I did want to pick your brains on, I noticed something that we kind of covered recently on Becker's, but I know that you had recently initiated a workers' comp fungal program, um, which undoubtedly has had a significant impact on your operations, particularly at your ASC, I imagine. Um, Andrew, can you give us some insight into how that program came about and how it's progressing at the moment? Yeah, I think, um, you know, what little people know me well they know that i'm a control freak and i want to own the the market um so what it what it comes down to from my perspective is when you control the entire funnel of msk and orthopedic care and you provide unmatched access to your providers and your services you can win right so what we thought was well workers' compensation, especially in the orthopedic world, is usually tremendously thought of as being a, a profit center, but it's also often potentially burdened with more paperwork or more bureaucracy associated with treatment. So we thought what model would work well would be to partner with a company nationally that stands up these bundle payment programs in the state and select centers of excellence to do them. And, uh, you know, we did that roughly, oh, eight to 10 months ago. And quite honestly, the results were not as um, impressive as we thought originally. And, you know, we kind of anticipated we would actually get paid less money on these cases, but we would experience significantly more steerage. And what we're looking at is we're getting the steerage, you know, for the surgeries, but reciprocally, we're receiving the steerage, not only on the surgeries, we're getting that on DME, MRI, office visits, all of that, that really help kind of justify the price point that we offered on the bundles. And I think what it, what it really comes down to is if you can get somebody in, get them from ouch to better, faster and better than anybody else, you're going to naturally become the provider of choice. So, what our docs are able to do and what we're able to do through our group is get people in same day 
get an X-ray, get an MRI same day most of the time if, if the work comp carrier will prove it. And we can figure out if they need to have surgery inside of 12 hours from the time of injury most of the time. And I don't think there's any other group in the region like us that can do that. I think that's where we really excel is by saying, we're going to bend over backwards to make you our priority no matter what. That doesn't have to be a work comp patient. We do that with every patient because we feel like that's what matters. Time, time is valuable to people. And if I can get you in, get you taken care of, and get you treated faster, back on your way, then I'm always going to win out on patient referrals. Where the stumbling blocks can occur for other groups similar to ours is that there's this very rigid process of how patients are treated and brought in. You're not going to be able to provide the access. So when we stood up this work comp bundle program, you know, we were counting on all of the downstream effects of that through the referrals and the MRIs and the DME and pharmacies type stuff. And uh, quite honestly, it's worked. So we uh, look to grow that and offer it to substantially more carriers in the market, more employers. You know, we're not willing to uh, lose market share over bad access. So our method here is um, really pretty simple. Um, just do a good job, provide good access, provide good care, be the provider of choice. Um, but you really have to have that culture and that mentality of, you know, there's got to be some hustle factor built into it to earn that business. Yeah, I mean, uh, fantastic. Uh, really interesting to hear, specifically in relation to the workers' comp bundle program, the, the growth of that and how you're approaching that. Also fascinating to hear that with the employment and the opportunity on the anesthesia side. Um, Andrew, obviously a ton of growth going on at the moment at Columbia Orthopedic Group. Um, now at 30 positions, as you said, we just touched on obviously the anesthesia side of things, the work comp bundle program. But, but when you look ahead over the next uh, 12 to 18 months or so, um, what other areas are you, are you majorly focusing on in terms of growth of the, of the group? I think our growth model is really um, just continuing to improve every day. You know, we um, are working on some market strategies that I feel like are really quite unique. Um, we're looking to partner and grow with other like-minded groups like us. Um, not just in the orthopedic space, but in the private practice space. On top of that, you know, our recruitment of physicians is not slowing down. We're looking to bring in another five to six docs inside of 18 months. Um, we've got contract offers out to four now that I think we'll sign. Um, so, you know, our, our scalability is, is quite, um, quite tremendous. And, you know, what we aim for from a growth model is to try to grow um, 5 to 10% year over year in patient visits um, every year. So, you know, we crossed the, uh, we crossed the threshold where we saw 100,000 encounters for the first time recently in a, in a rolling calendar year. You know, we were hovering around 90 to 95,000 patient encounters. We just went over 100,000 recently. We've quickly blasted through that. We're on our way to 105. So, you know, we're, we're scaling at a rate that is quite sustainable, but you've got to have the top talent, both in physicians and in your support staff to, to support that. So we've got incredible docs. 
but we also have incredible staff that work to assure all of our patients are taken care of. And that goes all the way from front desk to our PAs and NPs to, um, you know, our physician support who answer the phone and, and do all of that for us. And, you know, we're very lucky and blessed to have um, the staff we have in our market because it's, it's tough to find people. And people we bring in, you know, it comes down to building the culture every day and, and working hard every day to try to embrace what we're building. Um, change isn't easy in the healthcare world. So when you talk about exponentially, exponentially growing, um, where you're adding four or five docs in 18 months, and then you're adding, you know, 10 to 15 percent uh, market capture rate for visits, um, that's a lot. That's a big deal. So you got to have the right leadership team behind that too. So I would say like our president and our vice president from the physician standpoint are very motivated to continue to grow and um, be disruptive in the marketplace. I think that's what sets us apart and makes us unique is, you know, we're a privately held physician group, right? So the, the docs are the ones that have a seat at the table and they're the ones who are also taking care of the patients. So they know the business, but they also know the patient care so they can align those values and really produce a product that's quite unmatched. Yeah, I mean, Andrew, it sounds like, you know, you've really got a fantastic team behind you, you know, not just at the executive level, but from really from the top down. Uh, coming up on your, of course, two-year tenure as, as CEO of Columbia Orthopedic Group, fascinating to hear about everything that you've achieved so far in those two years and what's coming down the pipeline ahead. And we'll certainly be paying close attention here at Beckers. Um, Andrew, a real pleasure to have you on the podcast with me today. Thank you so much, and I look forward to connecting with you again down the line. Thanks so much, Alan. This has been great. I always love getting a chance to speak with Beckers and love the articles you guys uh, put out because it's so informative. So thank you and uh, appreciate it. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Beckers Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.